are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. Man, that was really, really weak. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was fantastic. I love that. Thanks to uh, Isaac for leading worship and his girlfriend, Morgan. That was great. We appreciate it very much. And uh, Kyle Owen is out of town today, um, kind of a last minute thing, and his grandfather passed away in Colorado, so please pray for Kyle and his family. Will you do that? So, we're first three days into 2016. I'm very excited. I love this season of the year because I feel like it's an opportunity to get this new start in life. Do you ever feel that? Um, I think about my relationship with God. And I try to evaluate how I'm doing in that journey. I think about my relationships with believers, people like you. And I think about my relationships with people who don't know Jesus. How is that going? Also think about finances and my giving. And I think about my own physical health and all those things. And it's one of those seasons for me where I say, all right, just kind of step back. Think a little bit. Evaluate your life. You got a new year. What do you want to accomplish this year? This past year in 2015, I ask you many times a simple question. What do you want? It's the question that Jesus asked people on more than one occasion. So what do you really want? And so as you look at 2016, I challenge you just to kind of step back and say, looking at a new year, what is it that you want in life? What do you think God wants for you? Okay? And so my dad was a home builder. He built houses all of my life. And my brother is now a home builder. And so I grew up going to work with my dad. And I remember when we would show up at this new piece of land and we're going to build this new house, the first thing was to focus on the foundation. Where are you going to start? And you got to get the foundation right. And that's the way it is in life. And what happens today in God's Word that I'm going to share with you is God gives us an opportunity to think about getting the foundation right. So grab a Bible, will you? And turn to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, and we're going to begin, rather, with chapter 3. Now, if you are new to carrying a Bible, and you're not for sure where Proverbs is, just kind of let your Bible fall open to the middle, and you'll probably be in Psalms, or the next book is Proverbs. So, Proverbs chapter 3. If you go to chapter 1, it will tell you that they are written by a guy whose name is Solomon. Now, not every one of them was written by Solomon. The reason we know that is because... As we continue along, we find that a guy named Lemuel wrote one, and a guy named Agar wrote one, and this guy who is giving words to the wise wrote about three, and there's an unknown author in one, but most of them were written by Solomon, okay? And um, the key, really, understanding of the Proverbs is to give you wisdom and instruction. But verse 7 of chapter 1 is really key. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's go to chapter 3. You ready? Verse 1. Here are the words of Solomon. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor with And rather a good name in the sight of God and man. I love these words. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So this is God's word for us today. Amen? Amen. All right. Annette and I uh, jumped in a car with uh, Morgan and and Isaac and we took off to see family um, this past week. And so we were really excited to get to hang out with them. You know, there's 12 days of Christmas, and really that's when it starts for the Harveys. We're here on Christmas Eve. Then on Christmas morning, we take off to hang out with family. And we got to be with lots of family. But the family member that we're most excited about seeing these days is a little girl named Sadie. She is only one and a half years old, and I did bring a picture of Sadie with me. So there she is. Sadie is, is, is wonderful. And, and she's fun, and when we go to a store like that, uh, I end up just kind of chasing Sadie. I don't do any shopping, I just chase her around. But anyway, with all the things I love about Sadie, here's what I like to do. I like to just lean and look at Sadie if she's kind of across the room, and smile at her. And if you just keep smiling, eventually she breaks and she smiles back at you. It's awesome. And I love it when she crawls up on me and kind of puts her arms around me and or rather when she just, maybe I'm walking through the room and she holds up her arms for me to pick her up. I love all those things about her. But you know what else there is about Sadie that I will confess to you? She is stubborn. It amazes me how stubborn. She's one and a half years old. And she has all of these things in her life that she wants to do for herself. Even like feeding herself foods that she does not have the coordination to really grab with a fork or a spoon. But she wants to do it herself. And I'm like, Sadie, let me help you. And she will not let you help her. She is like, no. And she wants to do it herself. And maybe I'm trying to help her do something and I'm getting everything set up for her. She knocks it down and she wants to do it her way. Blows my mind. I'm like, you're a year and a half. You cannot run your own life. Let somebody help you. But that's the basis of the human condition. It's really the basis of sin. It's that we have a Father in Heaven who is saying, let me help you run your life. I can really help you. And we tend to shake our heads and say, no. I'll do it. The way that I want to do it. And so Solomon says, what if? What if? What if you just decided, starting in 2016, I'll just apply it to today, okay? What if you just said, I will not trust in my own understanding, but I will trust in God. What if you begin to take the attitude that just said, I will not see wisdom in my own eyes. I will come to a place in my life of saying, God, I can't do it. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's best. I don't know the right ways. And I humble myself and I just come to you and say, Lord, here's the way we're going to do 2016. I'm just going to begin my year by saying, okay, God, 
You are in charge. I will submit my life to you. I will do it the way that you think is best. I don't have to run my own life any longer. I'm just going to take a step back and say, okay, God, I submit to your will and your way for my life. Whatever you think is best, that's what I'll do. See, I think, I think the best place we ever find ourselves in life is when we finally humble ourselves and come to the place that says, God, I don't know all the answers. And I'm kind of undone here. And maybe there was a day when I thought I could figure it out, but I don't deceive myself like that anymore. I realize that I need you deeply. And so here's the deal. I don't have to be in charge. I'm okay with saying, God, you be in charge. And I don't have to trust in my own understanding. I'm going to trust in your understanding. And I don't see myself any longer wise in my own eyes. I understand that I don't have it all together. And I think the best place we ever come in our lives is when we finally say to God, you know what, I really do need you. I don't have it figured out. That's the best place we can be. So if I just said to you, I'm your pastor and I love you. And I love every week getting up and getting to share with you what God is teaching me. And I love watching your journeys into faith. I want for you, as we move through 2016, the best possible year of your life. And where you are going to find that is when you submit yourself, as Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, to the will of God. So let's talk about this passage a little bit, okay? The, the, the Proverbs are um, part of what we call wisdom literature. Now, wisdom literature are books like uh, Job and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, Proverbs. And, and to the Jewish person, um, they were really kind of the ethical, practical guidelines for righteous living. And so we have been in Philippians this past year, and we've been talking about what it means to work out your own salvation, okay? So this business of, what does this business of being saved have to do with the way that I live my daily life? And so when a Jew um, would think in these terms, after reading the book of Proverbs, they would say, one of the ways that I work out this business of living a righteous life is I go to the wisdom literature, and, and so they would turn to books like Proverbs and they would say, the book of Proverbs is going to help me to work out my daily living. So it becomes this practical guide for how I live righteously before God. It's this practical guide of how I live according to the law of God. That's the way that they saw this, okay? Now, for you and I, we think of a proverb a little differently. We would say a proverb is a short, concrete saying that we often repeat that has an obvious truth that we arrive at based on common sense or experience, okay? So when you and I think of a proverb or these sayings that we kind of pass around, we would say, well, it's kind of the short saying that um, we often repeat to one another um, that has an obvious truth that's based on common sense or experience. That's how we think, all right? So we would say a modern-day proverb would, would be like this, um, even a stopped clock is right twice a day, all right? Just kind of the short saying that's kind of obvious, but it has some kind of meaning. I got on the plane and I was leaving uh, Johannesburg, Africa back in March, and I saw an African proverb. 
And it made me stop and think, and here's what it said. If you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. And I took out my phone and I wrote it down. And I said, that's a good proverb. If you want to run fast, just run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. For the Hebrew, they weren't simply wise sayings. For the Hebrew, the Proverbs were guides for the way that you honor God with your life. And in the mind of the Hebrew, you memorize the Proverbs. Why? Because they became your ethical guidelines. These are the way you stay on track morally. This is the way you honor God and His law. This is the way that you live a righteous life before the Lord. This is how you work out this daily business of honoring God with your life. And so when they begin to read and understand the Proverbs, it had this much deeper meaning for them. And they said, this is the way I understand how God wants me to live out my daily life before Him. And so that's what they did. So, so why don't we take a few minutes and, and talk about what Solomon is, is asking us to do in these 12 verses that I read you this morning, okay? So let, let me start with this. Um, when I was a kid growing up, we had tons of cousins who came to see us all from the state of Illinois, most of them around Chicago. And, and they would all come and hang out for a couple of weeks in the summer. And I remember lots of stuff going on in my front yard in the summer and, and lots of games being played. And one of the games that we would play was tug of war. So I, I've got a feeling everybody in the room has played tug of war at some point. And so there's a group of people on each end of a rope and you're trying to move the group of people on the other end of the rope towards you to a certain point. And if you move them over a certain line, then you win the game right. Tug of war. Here, here's the thing about tug of war. It requires energy all the time. Okay? So if you're playing a game of tug of war, you are losing and, and using a lot of energy when you're playing tug of war. So I'm just going to be transparent and tell you that when I got married to Annette, I felt like in our early years of marriage, we played a lot of tug of war with each other. I was kind of pulling for my way and she was pulling for her way. And I was pulling for my way and she was pulling me not to have my way because my way wasn't a good way for anybody, she thought probably. But I remember it just felt like in our marriage early on in those early years, there was a lot of pulling against each other. We were just kind of tugging against each other. And we were expending tons of energy because we were always kind of in this constant pull against each other. I remember one day sitting in my office as a young pastor and I read this book about family systems. And I remember God began to really speak to me and I really needed God to speak to me. And I remember that day by the grace of God I just laid the rope down. I decided to celebrate Annette for who she was. And I decided to quit pulling against her. I wish I could tell you I never picked the rope up again. At times I did, but God gave me grace to put the rope back down. 
No, no here's what I think happens. I think that there are times that we kind of view our relationship with God that way. And we see ourselves just kind of pulling against His will. We know what God's will is. We know what God wants. We know that His Word says submit to His will. But we just find ourselves just kind of tugging against the will of God. And we just kind of pull and we're just expending energy. And we're not at peace with ourselves. We're not at peace with God. And we're expending a lot of energy. And it's just kind of tiring and it wears us out. And it wears us down. And instead of just saying, okay, I'll just put the rope down. We just kind of feel ourselves just kind of tugging. But I want my will. <laughs> and here's what Solomon is saying. What if? And here's what your pastor is saying. In 2016, what if you just simply just laid the rope down? And just said, okay. I'm not going to keep pulling against God. I'm just going to put the rope down. And the language that Solomon uses, I love when he says... Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to do everything your way. Don't try to figure it out for yourself. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but submit yourself to God. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Just finally come to the place that you just say, Okay, I'm just going to stop pulling against you and I'm just going to go with you on this one. What if you did that? So you might ask, well, what does that look like in everyday life? And so Solomon gives us some hints to what everyday life looks like in that regard. Let me, let me throw a picture on the screen for you, okay? This is Mother Teresa. And she says, let no one ever come to you without leaving better or happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face. Kindness in your eyes. Kindness in your smile. Let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face. Kindness in your eyes. Kindness in your smile. Annette and I laid in bed several mornings this past week as we were going to go spend the day with another set of family, whether we were in Kentucky or Tennessee or Ohio. And we would pray that morning, Okay, God, let us be the kindness of Jesus today to our family. We see them so little. We get to be around them so very little. And so just just let us be the grace of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Let them see Jesus in us in these hours that we spend with them today. Let us listen with a compassionate heart. Let us just leave them better. Let's leave them hopeful. Let's pray over them while we're with them. Let us just be the love of Jesus to these people. Solomon says it more like this. Let love and kindness never leave you. Just wherever you go, just let the love of Jesus just kind of flow through you. He continues with other instruction about how you view money and what you do with money. And he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. I'm not talking about giving God something if there's something left over. I'm talking about the first fruits of what you have, your money, when it comes in, give God the first fruits. 
So what if you just said, you know what, in 2016, I'm just going to say, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. I submit myself to your will, whatever you want from me. And it's going to involve my money and the way that I treat people and every aspect of my life. I just surrender my life to you. I don't, I don't know, Rick, if I can do all that. I mean, it sounds good on Sunday, but I'm going to be at work tomorrow or at school and I'm going to be in life and I would love to pull it off. I don't know that I can do it. There's good news and there's encouragement here because Solomon says, don't worry, I've got good news for you. Guess what? God disciplines those he loves like a son. And none of us really are excited about being disciplined, are we? Sometimes we assign the word punishment to it and that's not what it means at all. The Hebrew word is... Uh, what is it? Karah? I forgot what it is. I better go look. It is actually, um, if I can find it on my page, I'll tell you what it is. It's yakah, and it means correction. And so when a toddler runs over to a fire and you say, no, 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 you're not punishing, you're just correcting. And Solomon is saying that God is going to walk with you, and He's going to speak to you. And when you're crossing those lines, He's going to be there to remind you. God corrects His children like a father corrects his son. So, let me think with you this way for a minute, okay, as we continue to work through this passage. How many of you would say, please, please, Lord, please, no more blessings in 2016. I cannot handle any more blessings. How many of you are there? I mean, we've just had so many blessings in 2015. We can't handle any more in 2016. Please, no more blessings. No blessed life for us in our house. Please. I I think it's the opposite. I think a lot of us would say 2015 had its rough spots. And we rely every day on the blessings of God. And so when you get to verse 13, he talks about the blessed life of the person who pursues this wisdom of God. But all through these verses I read you in this two-line parallelism, what does he do? He talks about the blessings, you know, prolonged life and peace and prosperity and favor and a good name in sight of God and man, and make your path straight, and health for your body, and nourishment for your bones, and your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will overflow to the brim with wine. I I, I don't think here you can ever assume that Solomon is saying, if you will honor God with your life, you will be wealthy and you will never get sick. That's not his intention here by any means. But what he is saying is that this is the best possible life that you can live. Here's the deal. God has an incredible track record. You can trust Him. And if you follow what you believe is God's will for your life, you will not be sorry. So let me count all the times in my life that I've said to myself, okay, I did what I believe God wanted me to do and I really wish I hadn't have. None. I've never once in my life said, you know what? I did what I believed was right in the eyes of God. I submitted myself to the will of God and I did what I thought God wanted me to do and I really regret doing that. Never in my life have I said that. Every time I have submitted myself to the will of God, I have always said, I'm glad I did. But how many times have I not submitted to the will of God and been sorry that I didn't? I think about people who come and see me. And they say, Pastor, we're trying to work through this and 
We're trying to get through this. and This is the biggest thing we're trying to push through right now. And if we could just get beyond this. And many times, many times, it's the consequences of their sin. If I hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't be going through all of this. And if I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't be having to try to get through this. And if I hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't be having to try to get through this. But I just watch people all the time suffer through the consequences of their sin. And, and because you love God and submit to Him doesn't mean you don't have problems. It just doesn't mean you have all those additional problems. This is the blessed life. So i got to say one other thing to you before I stop, okay? And this is very important. How do you feel when you read these words? I, I, I feel encouraged. I feel like that God has given us a plan that says, get the foundation of your life right. Do what's right in the eyes of God. Submit yourself to His will. This is really important. Build your life on something that's solid. When you think about beginning a new year, get the new year right. Just make up your mind today that I'm going to submit myself to God and His will. And I'm going to put the rope down. I'm not going to keep playing tug of war with God anymore. I'm just going to say, okay, God, I'm following you. But there's a struggle in me. And here's the struggle. The guy that writes it is a guy whose name is Solomon. He is the king of Israel. He is the son of David. Now here's what's interesting. He is not just a citizen of the nation of Israel. The people of God. He is the king of the nation of Israel, the people of God. He's not just one of the citizens, you understand. He's the leader of the country. But in Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11, here's what it simply says. Solomon was not completely devoted to God. You say, what? No, that's what it says. He was not completely devoted to God. Why, why, Rick, was he not completely devoted to God? And here's why. Because he married foreign women. Is it a sin to marry foreign women? I don't think it's overall sin to marry foreign women by any means. God said, the reason why, Solomon, I don't want you to marry foreign women is because they will turn your hearts to serve other gods. And they did. Solomon served the gods of his wives. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me the guy who wrote this did not live according to his own instruction? That's what I'm telling you. Wait, the, the guy who wrote this and said that we should do this stuff didn't do it? He didn't do it. He died that way? He died that way. I, I think what I want to say to you is simply this, that maybe you've hung around the church all your life. Uh, maybe you're in a band, or maybe you're an usher, or maybe you lead a group. That's not synonymous with living a life that's surrendered to the will of God. Everybody in the room has decisions to make today 
about how you will live your life in this coming year. Everybody. Everybody has a choice to make. Why don't you guys come back up, okay? And sing, sing this song. And I think that maybe uh, we might just stay seated for a minute. Is it okay? And um, just kind of let the Lord speak to you through the words of this song. Um, let it be a time to pray. Let it be a time to reflect. Uh, let it be a time to let God speak to you, okay? So, Father, in these next few moments, we ask you to speak through another medium. And we open our hearts to you. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to take a good, honest, hard look at who we are as we move into this new year. Let us think about our relationship with you, our relationships with believers around us, our relationships with people who don't know you. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
want to stand with me? So I'll just give a benediction and uh, Morgan and Isaac will keep worshiping. And if you want to come down and if I could pray for you today, I'd be glad to do that, okay? Or another pastor would be happy to. So this is my prayer for you today, that the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.